Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action and create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in the tech field starts right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Ansley Fender. Ansley is a serial entrepreneur, mostly because she's too stubborn and ADD to work for anyone else. While working as a nonprofit financial consultant and bookkeeper, she realized how time-consuming and expensive grant management is and decided to do something about it. And Atlas was born. Atlas's machine learning software helps lighten the load by scouring databases to match funders with funding recipients. On the days that being a startup founder when is especially difficult, Ansley gets inspiration from her two fearless little girls. Welcome to the show, Ansley. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. So let's get started. So as a woman in tech, could you share with us your career journey and how you got to where you are today? <laughs> sure. It was, uh, it was an interesting path. Uh, so I, I started out as a musician, actually, which is in no way related to tech, uh, at least not the way I was doing it. Um, and I was, a, I was a classically trained violinist, and that's what I did all growing up and what I went to college for. And I, um, I injured my hand my sophomore year of college and needed to find a new major in about two weeks. And so I literally just picked whatever would allow me to use most of my like arts credits. Um, and that led me to nonprofit management, oddly enough. I was like, I don't know that I care about this, but I want to graduate. <laughs> and so that's kind of what I did for the next two years. And then when I graduated, um, I decided to go to grad school for public finance. Um, in hindsight, I care nothing about public finance. I don't know why I thought that was a good idea. And um, my, my third semester, I actually um, had my oldest daughter. Uh, so that effectively ended grad school. Um, and then I was just staying home with my daughter. And I have so much respect for stay-at-home moms because I, I don't have that gene. Um, whatever level of patience and awesomeness that requires, I don't possess. Um, and I needed an outlet. And so I started doing bookkeeping and financial consulting for nonprofits and sort of like bringing everything together um, that I'd studied in college. And that like made me an accidental entrepreneur really quickly because um, I, I sort of accidentally stumbled onto um, a market where there wasn't there wasn't really anyone providing services in my area. And so, yeah, that's, that's, it totally started accidentally. Wow. That's really cool. It's from a musician to public finance to stay at home mom and then yes. starting your own business. So that's really mm -hmm. amazing. And I, I kind of understand what you're saying. I would go crazy if I was home with my kids 24 seven, you know, I need yeah. an outlet as well. I need to work, but I love my kids and want to be with them, but just don't want to do it 24 <laughs> seven. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I totally get that. So you're a serial entrepreneur because you're too stubborn and don't want to add work for others. Tell us more about this. So I there's a couple of things that go into that. So the first one is I have pretty severe ADD, uh, so I'm constantly bored. So having someone outline a set of tasks that I'm supposed to do every day and, you know, having to stay in a little box uh, is, is very irritating to me. Um, and that's also why I have started multiple businesses because I come up with an idea and I'm like, yeah, that sounds fun. I can make money at that. Let's, let's do that. Um, the other part is I, um, I'm on the autism spectrum. And so the way my brain works and it's taken me all 28 years of my life to realize that other people's brains don't work like this. Um, I see like patterns that neurotypical brains don't see. And so my brain naturally comes up with ways to do things that are um, abnormal um, and that are oftentimes not really welcome in, you know, like large businesses or old school industries or, you know, industries that are heavily regulated by by the government. Um, so, I mean, the the two jobs, like nine to five jobs that I had before I became an entrepreneur, one was at a bank. Um, and one was at a family-owned business, uh, neither of which were big on innovation or out-of-the-box thinking. Um, and so I think that pretty much jaded me uh, from ever trying to work for someone else. Wow. That's that's really cool, actually, to say that you think differently, which is so good because if everybody thought the same, then we'd get the same results all the time. So, Absolutely. Um, and I love that you have this innate um, ability to solve problems, whether it's the way normal people do or abnormal, who knows what's normal anymore. <laughs> right. uh, but that's that's pretty cool. I love that. So tell us more about Atlas. So Atlas is, is sort of where I brought all of my skill sets and all of my passions together, um, which is great because it means every day is like Christmas for me. Um, and so, so what, what we do is uh, we do grant management um, and this grant management is like a three, two, three trillion dollar industry, depending on whether or not there's COVID funding or not. Um, and it's this massive industry that touches pretty much everything that no one knows exists unless they're actively working in it. And so what we do that's totally different than what everyone else does is we bring grant funders and grant recipients together in a single platform so that they can collaborate across both sides of that grant cycle, the funding side and the recipient side. Um, we are the only software on the market that does that. And that is a direct result of, of basically me being like, well, why, why do we have to think about grants the way we've always thought about them? Why can't we think about them this way? Um, yeah, so that's, it, it's just a, a perfect mix of the, the nonprofit background the, the finance background and uh, my very first business doing financial consulting for, for nonprofits. I love that. So tell me, I'm intrigued now. So <laughs> it's a software platform, right? And so yes. people who have grant monies available can come onto the platform and then people who are applying for specific grants can also come to the platform. Tell me more, a little bit more about that so I can be a bit more clearer. Sure. So there's two major parts of, of the grant industry. There's like pre-award where you're looking for grants, you're applying for grants, 
Um, you're thinking about, you know, what kind of finances do we need to make a particular initiative happen? And then there's post-award where you have to, uh, depending on the terms of the grant, um, you have to keep extremely tedious finances on every transaction, receipts, everything. And then depending on how the grant is structured, you either submit a report at the very, very end, or you submit monthly reports that basically you're asking to be reimbursed for things that you already spent money on. Um, and so the problem is that a lot of the organizations that are receiving these grants are in industries that typically are severely understaffed or just have so many other things going on, like municipalities or nonprofits or um, you know companies doing research and development. And so it's one of those things that sort of goes by the wayside until it can't. And then there's not really a way to manage it outside of a spreadsheet. So right now we're mostly on the post award side. So we pull in transactions from accounting software and then um, inside Atlas, uh, the users can do all of this um, different like tagging and data manipulation to really understand the financial side of it. Um, so it helps with reporting, but it also helps with understanding like efficient and effective use of the funds. What did you actually do with that money? Because that's a question that most grant recipients actually can't answer. They can say like, oh, I bought this thing, but what actually happened? Like, what are the outcomes? Um, and that's really hard to answer. And we also allow funders to manage all of their recipients so that the recipients are on the platform, the funders can see, you know, oh, hey, this is how they're doing against their, their grant budget. And instead of having to submit manual reports, that's just going automatically to the funders within the system. So that's amazing. It's, yeah, it's really cool. It's basically just taking a workflow that has existed for, you know, over a decade in a spreadsheet or on a piece of paper and just automating it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love, I mean, I just think about my little world and just ma making an expense report, you know, can be a tedious task because I'm so busy and Absolutely. it's the last thing I have time to do, but it's so important, right? I mean, you can't just keep going without getting reimbursed, like you said, for these post-award post uh, grantees. So that's really, really cool. I think you just like hit it out of the park. That's very cool. Thank you. Very cool. All right. So how did you end up being a funded startup founder? That's hard to say. <laughs> uh, that has been an interesting journey. Uh, so lots of, I mean, I, I'd say probably my biggest highs and my lowest lows as an entrepreneur have happened around fundraising, um, especially fundraising as a woman, uh, which is not like fundraising as a man, unfortunately. So the money that we've brought in 100% of it is from competitions. Um, so, you know, it was me against however many other people were in the competition. And we we brought in about $200,000 in the past year doing that. Uh, what, where, what type of competitions? Tell me a little bit about the competitions. So um, they're, they're typically pitch competitions. So, you know, like 10 people, including myself, pitch their companies to a panel of judges. And then the judges decide who wins based on, I mean, some of it is obviously based on how you pitch, uh, like charisma and things like that. But I can assure you that's not the only metric because me, not so big on the charisma. Um, but it's also on, you know, what your product is um, and, and how you are, like how far along you are. So if you're super, super early stage and you're basically just an idea, you know, how much funding can you get for that if it's 
that early compared to uh, someone else who already has a product out and things like that. So I, I tend to do much better in that type of environment where I'm just, it's just me against the other people in the room and I just have to tell people what my product does. Did you know that there is an increase in the number of women leaving the tech industry? As a woman-owned business, Directions Training has made it our mission and passion to change this statistic. That's why Jennifer created this podcast. We showcase insight from everyday women for everyday women in the tech industry. Do you know other people that would benefit from tuning in? Share the link and help us drive the advancement of women in the tech industry. Do you have a journey or know of someone that our listeners would benefit from hearing about? Reach out to us at directionstraining.com slash podcast. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and wherever you find your podcasts. Now, back to the show. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So I completely agree. Funding for a woman is totally different than for a man. I think I read it was like one to three percent of women businesses get funded. So it's very, very difficult for women to get the funding like men get it. So I totally agree. And I give you so much credit for going out there and raising the money through competitions, because that's not easy. The pitch competitions take a lot of work. And I think you have charisma. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. So that's great. It's really, it's really sad how, how few dollars go to female founded companies. And I mean, some of it is skewed by the fact that there are more male founded companies. Um, But even when you look in raw terms, you know, like the percentage of females that get funding when you're just looking at female founded companies versus males when you're just looking at male founded companies is i mean it's just so not i mean it's not even close and you know i've heard things like well you're a mother so how much time can you actually dedicate to this or um, <laughs> yeah i mean i was like you're the, the person who said that to me i was like don't don't you have kids like right, where are they right, right now oh well they're with my <laughs> wife okay well thank uh-huh. them when you get home because yep. That's yeah. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Or, you know, things like, well, we don't really have an initiative to invest in female founded companies, but, but maybe we should, would you like to be one of our first? I'm like, no, I'm no, I don't want to be your token female. I'm not, I I don't want to check a box for you. I I want you to evaluate the company based on the merits of the company, regardless of my gender. Um, Cause that's good for you. Good for you. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, as you can tell, I, I don't make apologies for, being opinionated when I'm talking to investors, because at the same time, I mean, I'm going to be stuck with these people for the life of the company. I have to like them. I have to respect them. They have to like me and respect me. I don't want to go head to head with them every time, you know, we have a board meeting or something. That's Um, right. So I'm very, very picky about who I'm willing to go into business with as they should be. Um, So I think, I think that has probably hurt me, but at the same time, in the long run, it will be a lot better to not be stuck with someone that I can't stand. Yeah, it won't be successful. So it doesn't really hurt you if you're picking and being really nitpicky about the right partner to go for the long term because you need that. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Now, I know funding was a challenge, but as a woman in tech and business, what challenges did you face and how have you overcome them? Is another one that comes to mind? I think the biggest thing is just the work-life balance. I I have said many times that, you know, there, there's sort of a triangle of work, 
children and, you know, like romantic relationships. And you cannot have, you can have one side of that triangle, but that means you're never hitting all three points well. You cannot do all three things well at the same time. Something is always suffering. And you have to pick moment by moment what thing is going to suffer. And that's not fair to you. That's not fair to your kids. That's not fair to your partner. Um, but unfortunately, that's the reality of it, at least for me. I, I've talked mm-hmm. to many people who I think have said the same thing. But um, it, it's just really hard to strike that balance. And I, and I think, honestly, that's really unique to women because of sort of the societal pressures to be mm-hmm. superwoman mm-hmm. and have everything. And so I think um, I, I'm not good at work-life balance, but I don't think I'm as bad as I think I am. Yeah, be uh, hard on yourself. Right. And, you know, when when my, my kids or uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not with my kids' father. And so when when I don't have them, I work like a dog. That means that my personal relationship, like my romantic relationship suffers, but, you know, I I have other priorities sometimes. But when I'm with my kids, I try to give them as much time as I can. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's the hardest thing um, that's that's sort of non-technical. I mean, being a business owner is just hard. Every day mm-hmm. is an uphill battle and you get squished by the rock that you're pushing up the hill more <laughs> times than you successfully get it up the hill. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I think the personal stuff is where it's the hardest. It's so true. And work-life balance. Balance is such a, that's a wrong word because there is no balance. You know, it's not balance. Like, you know, in the old days, you'd work from eight to five, you'd come home, you'd never think about work, and then you'd go back the next day. With technology, that is all gone out the door now because 24-7 you're on, right? (laughs) So things are just constantly coming at you and you feel like you have to stay on top of everything. So it makes it really, really difficult. But I would say, you know, just some piece of advice, take some time to work on all three. You know, it is important to work and it is a priority. But at the end of the day, you know, I always think about, you know, when I am gone, what are people going to say? Oh, she worked so hard (laughs) or was she a good person or was she generous or was she loving and, you know, those types of things. So I would tell you, just try as best as you can. It's very hard to do. Yeah. And I mean, it it helps that, you know, my, my kids are like, this is so cool. Like you, you're the boss, you get to, you know, build this thing. And they they like they like to look over my shoulder while I'm working, and the the little chat bot that's on Atlas's website has my picture, like a picture of my face in it when I'm the one answering questions. And they're like, "Oh my God, Mom, you're on the internet!" <laughs> and so, I mean, they they think it's it's really cool, um, and it it helps to have a partner that's like super super supportive. So I think I think there's so much at play here. Like I have to give to them as much as they give to me, but mm-hmm. it's helpful to be surrounded by people that are like, okay, you know, you have a big launch coming up. I don't expect to see a lot of you over the next couple of weeks and right. I will help out in any way I can. But once you're launched, you owe me. By you have this unconditional support, right? Which is so right. important too. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I raised my kids and had a business for a long time and I just 
blended them in, you know, we had to go right. to the, the office and we'd, I'd have them carry keyboards and little mice and they were so little, but they would carry them in and they were just Absolutely. part of the growth of the business, you know? So it's just, it's good if you can do that, like, you know, them watching you on the internet, that's pretty cool because now they're part of your life, you know, part of what you're right. doing for work. So that's really cool. That's Absolutely. really cool. So, okay. So work balance, we've kind of talked about that. Do you have any best practices around that? So, no. Um, no, me either. I, I think I've, I've gotten more into, so I, I have a fitness tracker called a whoop. And if you're not familiar with it, it's like, it's W-H-O-O-P. And it's really interesting because I'm, I'm a data nerd. And so collecting data on like how my, like, my body is functioning from, you know, like an input of sleep and output of energy perspective is really interesting. And so like it tracks, you know, if you, if you sleep and, you know, your heart rate variability is this and your, you know, respiratory rate is this and all this based on, you know, how much, how hard you worked that day, um, you're, you're recovered, you're ready to go. Um, your brain should be sharp. Your body should be geared to perform. And so it's been really interesting to see different habits and how it affects those things. And so it's made me start to sort of experiment with, with different things. Like, for instance, something very simple, drinking alcohol too close to bedtime, no go for me. I don't sleep well uh, or I just don't recover. So like those type of work-life balance things, I think I'm, I'm figuring out the life balance part, like how to optimize those things in such a way that like social media is not a distraction. And so that I'm waking up well rested and, you know, simple things like, like I just said, not drinking too close to bedtime or um, I, I put my phone in grayscale mode. So nothing is colored. And do you know how boring a grayscale phone is? Um, like you actually don't want to look at it anymore because it has no, like it doesn't do anything for your brain. Um, so just little tweaks like that have made all the difference in getting rid of distractions that shouldn't have been there in the first place. Wow, I love that. I've learned two things, grayscale mode and whoop. <laughs> whoop and grayscale <laughs> so mode. How, yeah. does, how does whoop work? I mean, do you have to input all the information? Like, okay, what you ate, what you drank, when you sleep, when you get up, or is there a device that you put on or what? what is it? Yeah, so it doesn't track your food uh, intake um, at this point. It's a fairly newish company, um, but it's they have wearables. So they have a wrist one or they they actually so the device is in like a wristband, sort of like a okay. old school okay. Fitbit. Mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. they also sell clothes where you can like put it in the clothes. They're really popular among like athletes. Like I am not okay. an athlete. It, I was like sort of in high school, but not anymore. No one would call me an athlete. <laughs> um, and so I, when people see me wearing a whoop, they're probably like, what well, you clearly don't run. Um, but I, I really it's enjoy okay. it. That's working though for you. I love that. Um, because the, the way, so it gives you a, a score based on mm -hmm. all these different factors. So, I mean, it's, it's checking your temperature, heart rate variability, blood oxygen, um, your actual heart rate, like all of these different things. And then it asks going to say, like, Jennifer, get up from the chair. You're sitting there too long. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, it'll tell you that, you know, you've basically not exerted yourself at all. But the thing I really like about the newest whoop that came out is that 
they've sort of optimized it. So if, if you look at your scores and your sleep score is really, really high, meaning you should be fairly well recovered, but your recovery score is really, really low, the chances that there's mental stress instead of physical stress is really high. And so for me, that was something that I was really interested in because, you know, I'm like, I I didn't move all day. I sat Mm -hmm. on my computer and built software. How do I feel like I have been in an MMA fight all day? Uh And it's because my brain is working as hard as an MMA fighter. And and really sort of understanding and like being gentle with yourself that like just because I sat in one spot for 12 hours, which is not good for you, don't do that, um, Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that I did nothing and doesn't mean that I'm, you know, ready to go tomorrow when I wake up. Um, You know, I learned that um, many, many years ago with um, I had some surgery and I came home and doctor said, no, you can't go to work for two weeks. I'm like, okay. So then I'm like, you know, I can do everything at home. I have my laptop. I can just sit here. I'm not moving around. I'm not exerting myself. And I proceeded to work like like two days after the surgery. And it really works on your mind because now you don't sleep as well. Because now you've got all these things going in your head, you know, about work. And now you, you start to worry and then you get up and you don't sleep. And so then I realized, wow, you don't have to move around to be, you know, affecting your body. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. I had, I had COVID a few weeks ago. I managed to not get it for two years and then <laughs> got an absolutely horrific case of it. And I couldn't do anything. And so you know, me six months ago would have tried to strong arm it and just be like, no, I'm going to work. Me now, after sort of understanding myself better, is like, no, you need to just lay down and just get better. You you physically can't stand. So why try to work? Um, and, and I think as as we get better at understanding our own bodies and, you know, as things like wearables are becoming really big and you get to see all this data, I think people are going to end up over time being a lot gentler with themselves and and understanding that we are not superhuman. We are just normal human. Um, and we can't just go a mile a minute constantly. Yeah, and you're not a machine. To be okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. And do yeah. we want to be? I don't think so. No, no. And we're not made to be, you know. No. So that's that's very true. And at least, you know, you guys are learning a lot more than I did at your age because <laughs> it took me a long time to figure out some of these things. And I'm still not there. It's a, you know, work in progress, I guess. <laughs> oh, I, I have burned out a few times. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, I, I've gotten close to it a couple of times with Atlas, but I think I think it's finding the right balance of your passion and what mm-hmm. you're currently doing. And I think that has saved me. You know, I do I work a lot? Yes. But I love my job. Like mm-hmm. I'm upset when it gets time to go to sleep. Like I don't want to. I could very easily sit down and work for 24 hours straight and not realize time had passed. And how many um, people can say that? Not too many people can say that. So that's awesome. Right. And and it is not good for you. I mean, objectively, no, right. not a good idea, but it means that I'm not every day waking up dreading having to go to the office and sit through eight hours of pure hell while just hoping 
for five o'clock to, to, to be there so I can go home and enjoy my life. Like I enjoy it all the time. And I think that is the key to like starting a good work-life balance, because if you hate work, what's the point? Like you're going to be stuck working for like 30 years if you're like most Americans. So why, why do you want to hate eight hours of every day for yeah. 30 years? You're so smart. And really, I love what I do. I get up in the morning. I'm excited to do what I do. I'm excited to get to the computer. I'm like, if I ever stop work, working, I don't know what I'm going to do because I oh, love, no. you know, I love it. So I, I totally get what you're saying. But again, you have to balance it. You can't do too much of anything. It's not good for you, right? Everything Absolutely. in moderation. <laughs> Absolutely. So Ansley, who inspires you and why? I... I've been on a kick recently of just like really badass female founders like Sarah Blakely of Spence and Whitney Wolf Heard that started Bumble. I mean, Bumble went public last year. Um, Spanx was, I mean, 51% of it was bought out this year. And like Sarah Blakely gave every employee like $10,000 and like free vacation for them and another person. Like, first of all, the companies that they built they took a bag of absolute rotten lemons and turned it into the most gourmet lemonade you've ever had. But they did it without compromising who they are. And not only that, but they did it by taking who they are and forcing it into a company culture and making it work. And I think that's proof that you don't have to grind it out day in and day out like they push in you know, Silicon Valley. You can be a human being and you can lead with empathy and you can build a fantastic company in the process. That's amazing. I love women entrepreneurs. They really figure it out. And they're so much more successful in so many cases where you've seen large growth, large collaboration, and just very, very successful companies. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's great. That's a great inspiration as you start reading more about each of them and you learn things from each of them and do it, still do it your way. So Absolutely. I love that. Great. Well, Ansley, this has been such an honor and such a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, what closing comments or advice do you have for our listeners? If there are women that want to go into technology, what kind of advice would you give them? I think that everything that society tells you is a detriment to you as a woman is actually a benefit to you in the case of business. Your empathy is your superpower. Your ability to juggle a bunch of different tasks and you know be a mom if you are one and basically be a superhero without a cape is that that is what makes women great entrepreneurs and so i think for a lot of women they're afraid that because they're more emotional or you know more creative rather than analytical um which is obviously not the case for every woman but those who are like that think that that's not that's not the makings of an entrepreneur and, and you couldn't be more wrong. So definitely just try it out. I mean, you can make money doing literally anything. So see where it goes. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I commend you for taking all the challenges and turning them into opportunities. You, you really, you know, when, when you hurt your hand, you said, okay, in two weeks, I've got to get something different. And you really pushed yourself. And that's why you are a successful entrepreneur. And you've done so much good and continue to do so. So, so proud of you. Great job. Thank you for being on. And I hope to have you on soon again. Thank you so much for having me.
Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end-users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.